We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. April 8th, 2021, less than three weeks or three weeks from today is the NFL draft. Guys, it's almost go time. It's our second go round. So if you're with us again, they did not fire us or split us up after last week's show. So we must have done okay. I'm your host of this Thursday's show. I am Jacob Westendorf, and I am joined, first of all, by Rob Rieger. Rob, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic, guys. Ready, ready to dive into these linebackers. Exciting stuff. And moving all around, unfortunately for you, how terrible the state of Florida and enjoying that 80 degrees and sunshine and just all the beautiful things that that state has to offer. It's, it's terrible, man. It's, it's, but someone's <laughs> got to do it, man. Right. So let's play the game of where's Rob, actually. Where exactly are you in Florida right now? <laughs> I am in Anna Maria Island. So I was uh, in Orlando last week, and now I'm uh, in Anna Maria Island, Florida right now. And traveling. I'm in Rockford, Illinois, so nothing special there. It's the state of Illinois. It's probably the worst of the 50 states that we have. And somebody else that also joins in that state is Eli. And Eli, you came back from Florida, if I'm not mistaken. So back in Chicago. Back in Chicago. Yep. I was actually in Orlando last week, uh, coincidentally enough. And uh, Florida, look, definitely a, a nice state, but I don't, I don't do well in that kind of heat. So I'm happy to be back in Chicago. A little bit cooler, and uh, just get back to normal a little bit. So tonight we get back to a little bit of normal and talk about something that it's not normal for the Packers to 
address early and often, and that is a couple of inside linebackers and the consensus from what I can gather of draft Twitter and the leagues and everything else is these are the top two, uh, depending on what you consider JOK that we talked about last week, but the top two linebackers uh, in this draft class. And the first one is Micah Parsons. And I do want to get out of the way that when we talk about this, we're going to talk about the player specifically. Like I mentioned last week, this is a guy I think we can all agree that there are some concerns uh, or there have, I shouldn't say we can agree on that, but it has been discussed. There are potentially some character concerns and the thought that I had, and you guys agreed with me last week was if he is available for green Bay, that probably means you don't want him on the team. So with that in mind, we're just going to talk about the player specifically uh, and leave the rest of that stuff to the side. But I did want to bring that up here at the very beginning. So let's talk about it. Micah Parsons, a Penn state Nittany lion did not play last season was an opt out uh, for a Penn state team and a program that, that really struggled uh, as most of the Big Ten really did uh, outside of the Ohio State Buckeyes, which that's pretty common as well. But, Rob, let's jump in. When you watch Parsons, what do you see as far as his strengths and what he can bring to a defense? I would say that amongst linebackers, he's one of the most physically impressive players that I've evaluated, and, and I mean ever. Uh, I remember when Reuben Foster was coming out of Alabama, I, I looked at him, and you could just see that they're moving at a different speed than these other players. Um, you made a great point, Jacob, when you talked about the fact that if he, with his physical talent, if he's available at 29, that means that a lot of teams have done their homework and they've done their background and they've investigated some of the allegations against him and they've determined that he's out. I've heard that Miami Dolphins have taken him off his board. So, you know, when you just look at the football player, you look at a guy that ran a 4.39 40 at 246 pounds. You look at a guy that's has a 9.59 RAS score, a 6.83 cone, almost a 40-inch vertical jump for the size that he's at, and also productive. When you watch him play, it seems like he's moving at another speed than a lot of the players that he's going against. So from a strictly from a physical standpoint, I think that he's one of the most impressive players. But I can I want to bring up, and I kind of wanted to get your guys' take on this, is that when you look at guys that opted out of 2020 – there's one concern that I have, and it's the same concern that I have when guys hold out for long periods of time, is that a lot of times, even though they're training for, you know, the track, you know, they're on the track and they're training for the uh, for the pro days and so on and so forth, but they're not necessarily making football moves. And what I've noticed is that if a lot of guys sit out for a long time, they tend to get soft tissue injuries pretty early. They pull hamstrings, um, pull quads, pull groins, calves especially, you know, when they're moving in different directions. I'd be a little concerned about that. When he gets stepped on the football field in September, that'll be 20 months since the last time he took a snap. And and to me... (laughs) You know, I, I mean, I don't fault him for opting out. It's, it, you know, it was a decision that he made, you know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not, you know, don't want to get into that. But, you know, that's sort of where I'm sitting on that is I'm a little nervous about that. But I was curious to hear what you guys had to think, uh, say about that. Yeah, especially for guys that blocking and tackling are two very violent, specific movements that you have to practice consistently. And one of the reasons that we've seen a decline across really all of football Teams don't hit anymore. Teams don't tackle anymore. They don't have the, you know, man-to-man blocking uh, in practice either. And that's something now you take an entire year where Parsons and other guys aren't even playing in games. 
yeah, I think that's a concern that you can bring into, you know, what his rookie season may or may not look like. And like you mentioned, guys made their decisions based on, you know, the information they had and I don't fault them for playing. I don't fault them for not. That's just what it was. But that was kind of my thought on, especially the players that I think a receiver, you know, he can work on running his routes and stuff like that. Uh, Quarterbacks can throw to people, you know, that kind of stuff is pretty simple, but the blocking and tackling portion, I think that's where you're going to see a steeper learning curve for some guys because it's just a harder thing to do when you don't practice it as often. And guys that, you know, my guy Owen Reese said it best. I think, you know, the guys that have done it and practiced it over the last year, they're going to be in a better spot moving forward than, than the ones who didn't. So Eli, what's your thought on that? And then your thoughts on Parsons as a prospect. Yeah, no, but I, I agree with uh, both your points that it, it does not overly concern me, but it's definitely something I'm taking into account guys that did not play in the 2020 season because like you both said, that is a very long layoff of playing football. You have to be concerned about, as Rob said, you know, the soft tissue injuries, just getting back into the speed of things. But even just in general, I mean, you go nearly two years without taking a snap of real competitive football, it, you're going to have to shake off some legitimate rust. You know, we, we sit and talk about maybe, you know, the number one seed getting a bye week for one week and shaking off rust a couple weeks later. This guy's going on almost a couple of years by the time he ends up playing in the NFL. That's that's a big, big gap to get over. But then again, Micah Parsons is, I mean, one of the most physically dominant inside linebackers I've watched since I've started, you know, researching the draft over the last handful of years. He, he's someone that, you know, a lot of Packer fans would maybe complain about Blake Martinez where he seemed to always be making tackles, but there were a handful of yards after the line of scrimmage. When it comes to Parsons, it seems like every single play he makes is behind the line of scrimmage. 2019, when was the last time he played, you know, he had 14 tackles for loss, five sacks, 109 combined tackles. He was just, he was always, always in the backfield making issues for the offense. And then, I mean, even, uh, PFF, they don't go by tackles for loss, but by stop. So basically just plays that really don't give any gain for the offense. And in 13 games, I believe the number he had 47 stops. So, I mean, he's just an impact player in, in such a major way in the run game specifically, I would say like he could dissect a run, get through the line and he was rarely, rarely ever going to miss a tackle. So that aspect of his game, I like a lot, especially considering the Packers have needed that in the middle of their defense, a reliable tackler, someone who could actually make a play at or behind the line of scrimmage. So Parsons does have all of that that I really like. Uh, my my only concern, I guess, I, w- I would say, Jacob, kind of like what you mentioned to start off the show, but like you said, we'll keep that to the side and just talk about the player. And then also sitting out, it's something that, you know, I don't know, maybe this is just me, and I, and I do understand the reasoning why guys would sit out between the pandemic and also if you're a potential first-round pick, you don't want to risk injury, stuff like that. But I do feel like there's almost a competitiveness where a certain player where it's like maybe it is the smarter the smarter decision to sit out, but I want to play. Like some guys, you know, it's just it doesn't matter. They want to go out there and play football because that's what they do, and I kind of like to see that. You know, again, I'm not blaming him for sitting out, but – but I do think it's maybe a different mindset of a guy where it's like, I'm playing football because that's what I do. I don't care about the 
surrounding circumstances. If I can play, I'm going to play. So, so, you know, maybe I look at that a little bit in terms of just like his competitive nature, where maybe I would want someone more eager to consistently be on the field whenever they're healthy and whenever they could be. That also kind of leads to the question, Eli, just not, not to interject, but um, you look at the position that he plays and at an inside linebacker position. And traditionally, those are like the ballers on the team. Like those are usually yeah. the people that are calling the defensive signals. And they're like, you know, you know, the, the guys that are diving into the film, they're the guys that are all over the field. And, and, and to be honest, a little crazy sometimes, like a little nuts, you know, that the guys that will break their finger and then just keep on playing. And, um, you know, traditionally you look at that inside linebacker position and you can go all the way back, you know, Nitschke, Botskis, Erlacher, like, you know, these, these Ray Lewis, like they're, they're a little bit nuts in the head, but in a good way. And it helps yeah. out the team. Yeah, it yeah. does. And you know what, we're talking quite a bit about, guys opting or well in this case one guy opting out sitting out the question i have had and i've wondered and i read something you know the miami dolphins uh reportedly may not want to consider somebody with a high pick that opted out of last season but rob i wanted to get your take on do you think the guys that didn't play last season does that ding them at all i mean i know a guy like jamar chase it sounds like is you can almost pencil him into that number five spot to the cincinnati bengals if they don't take an offensive tackle but is there somebody that is going to get dinged a little bit if you will for having not played last season yeah i mean i kind of i kind of alluded to it earlier i think i think that you know big time we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm like soft tissue injuries is my biggest concern right now. You know, you see guys and it happens all the time. I mean, the guy that comes to mind is like a Le'Veon Bell who sat out a full year. He tried to come back and he's just never been the same since, you know, he's, he's constantly being dinged up, getting hamstrings, getting calves. And, and you see that a lot with these players and I can't, and, and I, I just anticipated it happening that you're going to get a lot of guys going down with these injuries and little strains and, and sprains and everything. And sure they can get over it. Um, but I think I think it was Eli, actually it might have been you, Jacob. I was talking about the different positions that people are playing, and that if you're a wide receiver, uh, it's a little bit different than maybe uh, like a linebacker or somebody like blocking and tackling type players. So like a Jamar Chase as a receiver, I think that'll probably affect him a lot less than maybe some of those other positions, especially inside linebacker, where a lot like a lot of instincts come into play. Uh, and that's kind of my take on that in general. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. 
Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Okay, Eli, and yeah, just I know you kind of touched on it a little bit through that, but do you think that there will be a few players that that drop a little bit and maybe that'll be the reason that's that's used? I think I think people could look at it like that. I mean, again, maybe that's just my opinion, but I, I would I would just know that when I'm looking at a football player, whether it's an NFL guy or if I'm just playing with some friends, you know, I want the guys that are gonna be out there no matter what. You know, you're gonna have to force them off the field. And when you look at a player who on his own choice decided just to not play, and again, it was obviously a very strange year due to the pandemic, but still, I do think it wouldn't surprise me if there were a handful of organizations that maybe looked at it and saw that as, as maybe a bit of, of as a downgrade, you know, it was a bit of a subtraction to their value, just looking at their competitive fire to just be on the field whenever they can. I was talking I to, go ahead. I was say I was talking to Ben Fennel a couple of weeks ago uh, on my draft show, and he's done some stuff for you know the Eagles and NFL Films, and he's been around football a really long time. And something he said that he really values, and I think he learned this from some of the people he's been around, is toughness. And I'm not saying that guys that opted out for COVID concerns are have a toughness issue, uh, because certainly you can't be tougher than a virus. I mean, I think right. I know I've had it. I think Eli, I think you've had it, Rob. I don't know if you have, but I mean, um, it doesn't matter. I haven't. Oh, you're lucky. You're a lucky man. But, you know, it doesn't matter how tough you are. But what I'm saying on that is, you know, I I would like to think that this isn't something that's going to become a trend on, you know, that, for example, at the beginning of the season, my thought on it is just in this topic in general is if you opted out before the season and it was because of those health concerns and all that stuff, I understand that. The the issue I have is somebody uh, LSU's wide receiver, Terrence Marshall. And the questions yeah. I would want to get answers to is he played and he started the season. And then right before they played Alabama, he said, I'm out, I'm getting ready for yeah. getting ready for the draft. You know, that's, that's not opting out of the season to me. And I think that that should be called something different. Um, and I think that those it are questions him, I would want. It calls him his competitiveness a little bit, you know, as yeah. far as like a competitive athlete. And, you know, when you're in the NFL, I mean, it's mano y mano and, you know, mm-hmm. especially a receiver and it, it's a tough game. Like you can't really get around that. And you're right about the virus. Of course, if you're scared about getting it and you choose to do that, you know, for your own health, that's one thing, but you know, not, you know, if you opt out because you don't want to face Patrick Sertan in a game and you're, you're scared of him. I mean, by Alabama, <laughs> you know, that, 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 that's something else. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I think that, you know, overall, that's something I just, my thought is I hope that doesn't start a trend, you know, where teams start saying that, and I'm, I'm one of those guys I'm on record. I'm okay with a guy not playing in a bowl game. I think bowl games are, are relatively meaningless. I'm also okay if they do decide to yeah. play in a bowl game, you know, cause ultimately it's them, it's their life. It's not mine, but I do think in the side of it's their life, I'm not going to question them, but I do think it's fair to ask some of those questions. If you're an NFL team as to, 
you know, where exactly, cause like me and I can only speak for myself, you know, and I'm not an athlete and I don't even pretend to be one, but when I played, I did everything I could to be on the field every Friday night. And that was just the way that I was. And, you know, that's fine. If that's not the case, you know, some guys, they have some different interests and I also didn't have millions and millions and millions of dollars staring me in the face that I could potentially right. risk. So <laughs> it's hard to say until you're in those shoes, but I do wonder that storyline going into this draft and, you know, for every Jamar chase and guys like, and Micah Parsons and guys like that, you know, there's a guy who maybe doesn't fit that mold of elite prospect that I think Terrence Marshall is a good example of that. He's a good prospect, but I don't know if he, he wasn't a slam dunk first round pick yeah. the way that chase and Parsons and some of these other dudes that opted out were. So I think that part, or at least that topic, that storyline is going to be interesting. Let's wrap up Parsons here real quick, just to see if, if he steps in tomorrow, I will say this. He's the most talented inside linebacker that the Packers have had since Nick Barnett. Uh, I mean, do I go back even further than that? I mean, it's certainly possible. I guess if you want to say AJ Hawk, AJ Hawk was certainly a talented player and, and will be in the Packers hall of fame one day, but I don't think that it's unfair to say he didn't live up to his number five overall pick either. But where do you think, and Eli, I'll start with you. If Parsons steps in tomorrow, what does he do for this defense on day one? I think from day one, most importantly, I think it changes just the whole vibe of the defense. And it just it adds an aggressive, just someone almost like what Rob said, a little bit of craziness in the in the middle of the defense. And you need and you need some of that from some of your defensive players. And I think I mentioned the last week, and it's just a running theme. The Packers defense usually seems to be on the lower end of the aggression on the aggressive side. And I think Parsons brings that to the game. And then the biggest thing, again, I mean, I just think he will be such a, a help in the in run defense. Like if you don't draft someone to maybe assist Kenny Clark and, you know, Dean Lowry and or, or Kingsley Kiki maybe doesn't take that next step that we're hoping for, even though he had a promising season last year, you know, you can look at someone like Parsons at the second level who will make tackles not at the second level. He'll still be able to make tackles at, at the line of scrimmage, at the point of attack. And that's a big deal because we've been watching, you know, at the end of a run, like if, if a running back got four yards as a Packer fan, it's almost like, okay, like that's a relief. Like you'll take it. But really, if you're on offense and you get a four-yard run on first and 10, that's, that's a positive play. That's a good play. I think Parsons is the guy who could come in and and really, really make a huge impact and and almost force teams to either try to run around you towards the Smiths and Gary, which isn't really going to work very well, or try to throw on you, which obviously wouldn't, you know, involves Jair Alexander and Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage, which isn't a lot of fun either. So I, I really think just the key to making to getting this defense to the next level is is solidifying the middle, and I think Parsons can do that. I really see him. You know, you know, the more I think about it, you know, he does remind me a lot. And it was funny is that Jacob and I were talking about how much we hate comps. But he has a lot of Brian Urlacher in him, like just a guy who's so physically dominant and he moves forward. So when he when he hits you, you don't you don't get that extra two, three yards. You know, you don't he's not the type of player that, you know, you can lunge forward to get that first down. You're typically going backwards after he hits you. And, you know, that's something that the Packers haven't had in so long. And, uh, you know, like like you said, you know, we're so used to having Blake Martinez drag guys out of bounds eight yards downfield and then look at the stats and see that he's got 12 tackles, but, you know, made very little impact on the game. Parsons would be a guy that would make that impact for sure. 
And frankly, when you talk about guys, you know, Chris Barnes had the game against Carolina where he was very impactful. He had the big play on the screen. If you guys want to see that, Eli posted a video on that not that long ago. So we'll get his Twitter handle here at the end here. But, you know, he had the the forced fumble on the goal line. And I remember when that happened, I was like, I don't think the Packers have had a linebacker make a play like that in 10 years. Like it's maybe Wayne Simmons. Wayne Simmons would have been the guy that kind of a playmaker there. Exactly. So, I mean, there is a little bit of that. But for the most part, if you look at the Packers linebacking core, even last year for the guys that are still here, because Kirksey had a couple of nice plays, but nothing, you know, nothing overly impactful. And the same was really true of Barnes and, and Kamal Martin. So, you know, I think adding a playmaker here is something that you could think at. I remember I wrote this story for Packer Report a little while ago about the Packers don't value the inside linebacker position. And that's, you know, that's their philosophy and it's the way that they have. You know, I said in 2010, they had Desmond Bishop and AJ Hawk, and they finished second in DVOA rankings. Desmond Bishop's leg blew up the following year. And then since then, here are their DVOA rankings since 2010. 26th in 2011, 8th in 2012, so pretty good. 31st in 2013, 16th in 2014. That was a team that lost Seattle, obviously. 2015, that defense was pretty good. They finished 9th, 22nd in 2016, 24th, 29th, 15th, and 17th over the last couple of years. So nothing ever really towards the top half of the league. And if they were in the top half of the league, they were closer to the, to the middle tier, if you were. So they finished 15th and 16th a couple of times, but really a couple of outlier years of finishing, you know, second, eighth and ninth in those three years. But otherwise the question I just posed is all those things aren't necessarily related to the fact that they haven't had a linebacker in the middle. That was just a, a complete badass, but my question kind of was, should they? So I think that's a question we can have. And speaking of guys that can kind of run and chase and hit a little bit, Rob, Zayvon Collins is your man. So you have the floor, my friend. So so this is a guy, and, and hopefully you guys have it, the, the Cheesehead TV, you've ordered your pre-order. So he was one of my featured uh, players in that. And um, I can't say enough good things about this guy. Not only is he a super productive player for Tulsa, but he was a physically dominant player. There's so many times where I'd watch his games and he would just look like a man amongst boys against good teams. And he was a guy that was ultra productive. He won the Nagurski award this year. Uh, I would say that his best trait is his instincts. Uh, He very rarely makes the wrong call. He doesn't take missteps. And and a lot of times he might not be as fast as Parsons, but because of his instincts and making the right reads on the play, he can actually get and blow things up quicker by making that right read and not having any missteps. He comes in at 6'4", 259. He had five interceptions. He had four last year, including two pick sixes. So he has outstanding instincts in the run game, outstanding instincts in the pass game. Um, I noticed that he's outstanding in covering running backs out of the backfield. You can match him up on tight ends. Um, I just think that he's an all-around great linebacker whose best days are ahead of him. I think that a guy, if he gets the right defensive coordinator, right coaches, he can definitely become one of those guys that, you know, 10, 15 years down the line, you're thinking, wow, uh, this guy's just a fantastic pick, value, and he got better every year. So I was curious what you guys think, but I can't see enough. I'm gushing about him right now. Uh, I would love him on the Packers. So you take him 29th overall just to be to clear. I, I mean, I, I kind of glossed over this, I guess, with Parsons is, if he were available and the backgrounds and stuff checked out, we would all yeah. take him at 29 from a football player standpoint. I think so, so of course. Yeah. yeah. And would you take Collins there as well? 
Uh, it, it for for me for me yes personally um, I don't know if the Packers would I think that they'd probably look at him more of like a second round pick um, I think that he's a guy that's going to get drafted and we're going to be wondering how he fell he's going to be one of those few guys that we're going to look back and say geez the guy's six four two fifty nine his great instincts Nagurski Award his Raz is nine point five five you know he, he just has all these qualities that you look for. How how do we miss out on him? Is he, that's just kind of my opinion on him. And Eli, one of the first prospect profiles you did over at Packer Report was actually on Zayvon Collins. So tell me a little bit about what that was about and what you saw. Yeah, I mean, just like Rob, Zayvon Collins is probably my favorite linebacker in this draft. Maybe my my dream pick for the Packers. I think he's just so impactful in so many ways. You know, I we kept talking about Micah Parsons' ability in the run game. But like Rob said, Zayvon Collins in coverage, I mean, he's phenomenal. He isn't just good. He was the number one graded, according to PFF, in 2020 in coverage. He He's just a nightmare for quarterbacks to deal with when he's covering tight ends and running backs. He has the ability to blitz. He, he can burn through the line, forcing tackles for loss. Every single year, he's consistent with those numbers. His three years, you know, nine and a half, eight, seven and a half tackles for loss just always making plays in the backfield. And, and yeah, kind of like what Rob said, I just love his instincts. I think I feel like he was just always where he needed to be. And, again, whether that was in the run game or in the pass game. And the pass game is obviously extremely important. We've seen tight ends and running backs tear up the Packers' defense at times in the past. And I think adding someone like Collins would really, really help mitigate the amount of damage tight ends can do against them because – he has good hands. He has good instincts. Even if he's not going to catch it, he'll get a hand on the ball, probably knock it incomplete. And I look at him. I mean, I, I could see him falling further than most people would expect, but I will say that if he's at 29, I, I would be very, very disappointed um, if, if they passed on him. I, I Like last year, you know, they had the chance at Patrick Queen, and I really like Patrick Queen. I, I think I like Zayvon Collins even better. Than I did Patrick Queen. So I'm with you, man. I'm glad that we agree on this. I actually talked to Jacob before this. I said, you know, we might have some healthy debate on him, but uh, <laughs> definitely not because I, I love this guy. I think he's, yeah. a, uh, you know, pro- you know, you watch him and even on play action, he doesn't get fooled on play action. Yeah, you know, a just, lot of guys, you know, they take false steps, they come forward, and and he's just right there every time, and it, it's uncanny the way that he reads plays. And I don't know if that's from film study or if it's natural, probably a combination of both. But he just seems always to be in the right place at the right time, and that's something that we sorely lacked. Yeah, I mean, his football IQ is clearly elite. And that that for a middle linebacker, as we mentioned earlier, you're basically the quarterback of the defense. You're calling plays. You've got to know everyone's assignments. And he just seems like that kind of player who is always going to be where he's supposed to. And you're never going to see him just have a complete – mental lapse and where he's supposed to be. Like he's just, he's just really, really solid. And that's what you want out of your middle linebacker, you know, kind of no surprises. He's going to be where he's supposed to be. Yeah. That part's interesting. I think that, you know, what you're looking at is uh, a few different things. The big thing that I am excited about, or the big thing that I would want out of, you know, out of my linebackers uh, is that you guys are talking about is in the passing game, you know, the run game, I'm not saying the run game doesn't matter, but it is a devalued, portion of the of the of the modern NFL frankly and I think that um, 
you know, we, we focus a lot on the, I said it, you know, I even remember at the beginning of the season, we were talking about concerns with the Packers defense. And I said, I'm not too worried about them being able to stop the run. I know that was the, the bugaboo of the previous season in San Francisco. But I said at the beginning of the year, my worry was, can they stop teams from throwing the ball? Because early, you know, Minnesota threw it up and down the field on them. Detroit early in that game, threw it up and down the field on them, obviously new Orleans. Uh, And then by the end of the year, the Packers run defense was actually pretty good. The last six, eight weeks of the season. And they didn't lose in the NFC championship game because they couldn't stop Lenny Fournette. Uh, They lost for a lot of other reasons, but defensively their big thing was just that they struggled against the pass. So, uh, you know, in the middle of the field, if you want to fix that part of the defense, I think that's where you need to be valuing some stuff as a linebacker, whether that is a linebacker or, you know, we talked last week about the possibility of them doing some stuff with the safeties uh, in that position or whatever you want to call uh, JOK from Notre Dame. But moving those guys in here, it's going to be interesting yeah. to see how the Packers, the the disconnect, I would say, between what the fan base thinks they need and what the team thinks they need in the middle of the field. Because last year, oh. we all would have said, man, they need a linebacker, they need a defensive lineman, and they didn't draft any of those things in, yeah. in the early portions of the draft. They didn't draft a defensive lineman at all, and the only linebacker they took was Kamal Martin in the fifth round. Yeah. So that part was interesting to me. It's just kind of funny how you know the difference between what, what we think they need yeah. and what they think they need kind of almost never, especially under Gutekunst, I mean – they haven't really intertwined a whole, a whole hell yeah, of a lot. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of gone off on his own a little bit. And what's it, it, funny about these two players is that you know, I just kind of wanted to interject is that they're, they're not really similar. Uh, Micah Parsons is more of an attacking linebacker. You know, he's like, okay, Micah, you have this whole attack it. Uh, whereas I see Zaven Collins as a read and react type of linebacker where he'll actually read the guards, he'll read the play, he'll, he'll, it, it's from an instinct standpoint. If you look at Parsons, a lot of times, like he's already they tell him, all right, Micah, go get the quarterback, or all right, Micah, go blow up the backfield. And he he's great at that aspect of that. Where I, I see Collins more like, okay, so let's see how the play develops and, and, and make a play from there. Yeah, that part's interesting too, because I think you know everybody likes to lump everything together and there's there's a lot of different things that go on throughout the course of a game that makes players different. So do you guys have any concern at all? And I am interested in hearing about this. You know, his his 40 time was four six seven. Me personally, I think we put a little too much stock into what players do in their underwear as opposed to what they do on the field. Uh, I'm not saying that stuff doesn't have its place, but is there any concern about his his running time being, a little, especially at a souped-up pro day, being lower than maybe what it was anticipated? What do you think, Eli? I personally, it doesn't it doesn't concern me too much. Seeing the way he plays, he doesn't look slow really at any point on the field. And like Rob said, I mean, it might – have a, a not not a slow feel, but almost more of a calculated feel. Like 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 you said, Micah Parsons, you always just see him just bursting through the line. And when right. you hit the right gap and you make that tackle, it's great. But he had plenty of times where he would just over pursue and it wasn't the right gap. And then he's five yards behind the line of scrimmage and the running back is down the field. Yeah. So I look at Collins who, yeah, you might not be the fastest guy out there, but he knows how to use his speed, his size and his talent in a way where He's, I don't see, he's not going to get outrun by someone because he's usually already going to beat them and get that leverage at any point on the field to make the play. So could he be a bit faster? Sure. But I think he plays faster than that 40 time indicates. I almost think at inside linebacker, one of the biggest mistakes that evaluators make is that they do take that 40 time into too much of a, of a factor. When you really look at all the top inside linebackers in the league, most of them aren't physical freaks. 
you know, a, a guy like Keekley comes to mind. Like that, you know, he, he was a good athlete, of course. And you know, Bobby Wagner is a, another great right. example. Yeah, right. So these guys aren't these physical freaks. They're they're guys that know how to read a play. They can get to where they need to be. They can read. They can have those natural football instincts, and they just make plays after play after play. And that's just what I saw with Collins on on tape is that he was just always around the ball. He was always making plays. He never seemed to be out of out of place. And you're right about Parsons. It's a great call that when he made the right read, he looked like an All Pro. But there were definitely times where he overran plays where he was fooled on a play action and maybe they completed a pass behind him and he just wasn't involved in that play as well um you know but he had some splash plays obviously that make him look like an all pro so betting on upside in, in that case so those are our two guys for this week we're out of time for this show be sure to check out the podcast it's at pack a day podcast you can follow eli let us know where we find you you can find me on twitter at book of eli underscore nfl and you can find my writing over at PackerReport.com. And then every Thursday night at 6.30, um, my show with Zach Jacobson and Janelle Mackey, Open Book, on Game on Wisconsin. Obviously, over the next two weeks, we'll be previewing the draft. So uh, make sure to give that a check also. There you have that. And you guys will want to see that show tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Eli, you want to tell us who's – I'm not going to steal your thunder. Who's on yeah, your show tomorrow night? Yeah, tomorrow night we've got, we've got a big show. Uh, Packers legend Leroy Butler uh, came on and we had a really, really fun discussion, some great stories, a lot of stuff that I've never heard before. I know I'm not too old, so it's not surprising, but but there's a lot of really cool stories he shared with us. So I definitely recommend checking that out. Even if it's just for that episode, I think you'll really enjoy it if you're a Packer fan. So you give it a look at that. And Rob, where can we find you? Uh, mostly I just at NFL draft Regs R E G S on Twitter. That's where I do most of my damage and uh, yeah, I'll be on the radio in a couple weeks, but not ready for that yet. And uh, get to the chiefs at TV draft guide. If you don't have it already, that's the King of the geek squad, Rob Rieger, which is the <laughs> nickname he told me about yeah. before the show, which I think yep, is pretty funny. You can find that's me. I'm at Jacob Westendorf on Twitter. You can find me just about anything over at game on Wisconsin and then uh, Packer report. Uh, I have an article once a week, for them as well and some exciting stuff coming through uh, both of those things so stay tuned for stuff like that we will be back next week uh, i don't think there's going to be a whole lot of interest in the position from the fan base we're talking about wide receivers so i don't know if you guys <laughs> i don't know if you guys have any interest in anything like that but if you do uh, be sure to tune in next week but until then stay safe and do everything you guys need to do uh, we're just three weeks away from the draft so that's exciting thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next week Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.